It is good to be together this morning. We are continuing our 2020 vision message series. The last few weeks, we've talked about being Jesus-centered, being Jesus-centered as individuals, as a church. Last week, we talked about being people-focused. We want to be people-focused as individuals and as a church community. This message today is on being mission-driven. Everybody say mission-driven. That was pretty lame. I know that the pastor's not supposed to insult the congregation, but that was, come on, come on, guys. Ready? Mission driven. Mission driven. Now we're talking, now we're talking. Mission driven, mission driven. The Bible says that without vision, without mission, the people perish. We need a, a North Star. We need uh, something that gets us up in the morning and motivates us and inspires us to keep going when we're tired, right? For me, it's coffee. Any coffee lovers out there? Man, I don't know how I survived in college without coffee. I didn't discover it until I was about 30 years old. And we started having kids, and I discovered that it was very necessary uh, to function each day at a high level. Uh, One time I I told Lindsay in a a very holy kind of pastor way, I said, you know, I'm going to give up coffee for a few weeks for Lent leading up to Easter. She's like, no, 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 that's a bad idea, bad idea. Give up something else. She knows what I'm like in the mornings without coffee. But honestly, when I, when I get up in the mornings, I smell the coffee because we put it on a timer, right? Prepare it the night before, put it on a timer, it's ready to go. I, I smell that coffee, and a lot of times, that's what gets me out of bed. That's what gets me out of bed, coffee, coffee. How many of us um, need something to get us out of bed? We, we need something that, that, that will inspire us and motivate us. Maybe it's not coffee, maybe it's, maybe it's making money or uh, maybe it's uh, keeping our kids alive. Uh, that's one of our goals as, as parents at my house, keep our kids alive. We need something that motivates us and compels us and inspires us to keep going. Mark Twain, the great theologian, so to speak, said this, the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. The day you were born, pretty important day. Even more important than that, was the day you discovered why you were born. Simon Sinek uh, talks about the power of why, right? We need a, a, a big why to keep us going. Life is more than just going from point A to point B, from meal to meal to meal, and going, for, going to work and coming home. And Life's too, too short for it to be just about that. We've got to step out of survival mode and have a deeper meaning and engage in a bigger story. God wants us to to step into a bigger, greater story. He wants us to realize that life is not about me. It's not about me. The Bible is is the highest selling book of all time. Uh, But on that list is a book called The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. Anybody read that book? Purpose Driven Life, great book, great book. But one of the first lines in that book is this line. It's not about you. It's not about you. When you think about the purpose and the why and the mission of your life, it doesn't start with you. But there's this epidemic sweeping across our culture, our country, and our world, this epidemic of narcissism. Narcissism that says, life is about me. And maybe you wouldn't tell me that across a lunch table for me if I took you out for lunch, which I would love to do. 
You wouldn't say, Heath, life's about me. You wouldn't say that, but by how we spend our money, by how we spend our time, a lot of times there's evidence that life becomes about me. It revolves around me, the way I look, and how much money I can make, and how can I get approval and acceptance and climb that ladder and just strengthen that reputation I have with people. Life becomes about me. Speaking of that, let's, let's take a group selfie. What do you guys think? A little video here. Everybody say hi. Oh, yeah, there we go. First ever group selfie at Spring Branch. All joking aside, we live in a selfie culture, right? I take selfies with my kids and my family, and it's fun. But, you know, there's something about that. It's like, hey, I'm going to post this on Instagram and Facebook, and I'm going to put my best foot forward so people will like me, so I'll get approval. And Whether we recognize it or not, there's this gravitational pull to, to making life about me, me. But what if God wants us to, to go from me to, to, from a kingdom of self to a kingdom of God focus? When we shift to a kingdom of God focus instead of a kingdom of self focus, we stick out. I mean, when you start dying to yourself and denying yourself and living for others instead of yourself, that's increasingly attractive in a culture that is suffocating in itself. It's increasingly attractive in a culture that, that, is, that is consumed with narcissism. The most powerful counterweight to narcissism is the gospel. The gospel is the complete opposite of selfishness and narcissism. The gospel is about serving others and being generous to others and looking to others' interests before your own. God sent his son Jesus to us. Not to be served, but to serve and give away his life for many. Jesus died for us. How dare we make life about us? If the God of the universe laid down his own life for us, how dare we make life about us? It's about him. It's about others. It's not about me. It's not about you. It starts with God at all starts with God. We were made by him and for him. Remember? We're made by God and for God. Who are we? We're made by God. We're his children. We're his sons and his daughters. What's our purpose? We're made for him, for his purposes. To glorify him, to magnify his name, to live in such a way to put God on display with our lives. God has been on the move since the very beginning. He's been on the move. He's been on a mission ultimately sending his son Jesus to us. And Jesus represents the church and we represent Jesus, right? How are we doing representing Jesus to this world? If we represent Jesus as a church, what are we doing? What are we doing to represent him to the world around us? So what was God's mission? What is his mission? Is his mission our mission? Well, no, there's no better place to look than, than Jesus. Let's pick it up in Matthew 4, 18. What's it look like to be on mission, to be mission-driven? Matthew 4, 18, the gospel says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Jesus did. He saw Simon, 
who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. No other religion involves a God who came to us, right? Every other religion involves a, a people trying to make their way to God. But the one only true God came to us through the form of his son, Jesus. And he walked this earth, he put on flesh and bones, and he moved into our neighborhood to develop a relationship with us. And there he is, walking by the Sea of Galilee. He's not just sitting on his doorstep waiting for people to come to him. He goes for a walk. He goes for a walk, and he's, he's looking for other people who he, can, who he can lead, who he can love. And he saw two brothers, Simon and Andrew. He said to them, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets. Now, these are some young teenage Jewish boys. A little context here. Back then, the mission of a young Jewish boy was to become a, a rabbi, to become a teacher of the law of God. And so they would spend countless hours every day, every week, learning the Bible. They would memorize it. And they would go through this school and they would, there'd be a series of cuts along the way where they would report to the rabbi and the rabbi would ask them questions and he, he would drill them with all these all these all these questions about God's word. And some people didn't make the cut. Others, the best of the best of the best, made the cut and eventually became rabbis themselves. But the guys who didn't quite have what it took, they resorted back to their father's trade, their family's trade, which was a lot of times back then, fishing. And so Jesus shows up at the Sea of Galilee and he sees these young Jewish boys. They're not in school somewhere they're fishing, and so clearly, they didn't make the cut, right? They didn't make the cut. And so I don't know what they're feeling. They're feeling discouraged or deflated or their dreams were shattered. I don't know what they're feeling, but Jesus met them right in the middle of their disappointment. He met them right in the middle of their lives. He said, follow me, and that's what a rabbi would say if he believed that you could, be, you could become just like him. He would say, follow me, if he believed that you had what it took to be a rabbi. And so, of course, they're going to drop their nets. I mean, I always thought this was kind of, kind of funny that they dropped their nets immediately, but of course you would, right? Put yourself in their shoes. This rabbi thinks that I can follow him and be his student, his disciple, and become like him? Wow. I'm gonna drop my net and follow this guy. Walk with him, listen to him. And so how loving of Jesus to see the potential in these young boys. And he says, I will make you fishers of men. You see, Jesus meets us in the middle of our small story and invites us into a bigger one. He invites us into a bigger story. Our lives are stories being told, whether you realize it or not. We all love good stories, right? We all love a good movie. What makes a good book? Like, what makes a good story? What makes a good movie? Think about it. It involves a character who wants something and overcomes great conflict to get it, right? Think of every great story that leaves you crying and inspired. You watch the credits roll, and it's like, I want to be like that person. It's a story that involves a character who overcomes great odds in order to get something, 
No wonder the greatest story ever told is the gospel, right? God overcoming the greatest conflict ever. That was our sins. He took our sins upon himself in order to win our hearts. No wonder it's the greatest story ever told. The ultimate hero. But what kind of story are you living? If somebody made a movie of your life and they saw the credits roll, would they just kind of shrug their shoulders and be like, eh? Or would they be inspired and and say, I want to live like that person? That person wasn't perfect, but man, he overcame great odds. He, He had a dream. He had a mission. He had a vision. And he overcame great challenges in order to to get what he wanted. What kind of story are you living? God meets us in the middle of our story. And he invites us to to engage in a greater one, a bigger one. To become fishers of men. What's that mean? Jesus says this in chapter 19, verse 11 of Luke. He says, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Pretty simple. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So what's our mission statement as a church or as families, as individuals? It's, let's just steal it from Jesus, right? God created us to be like him and to seek and save the lost. To seek and save the lost. See, found people find people. Many of you are here sitting in these seats because you've been found. You were lost, but you've been found. And so our job as found people is to go find people, to be fishers of men. Luke 9, 23, Jesus says, he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. What's our mission strategy as a church? It's pretty much to just deny ourselves, die to ourselves so that we can live for others. I mean, what would happen if, if every single person in this room would, would, would die to themselves, deny themselves, so that you can go out and live for God and for other people? What's that mean? Maybe it's, maybe it's uh, giving more money away. Maybe it's volunteering your time in children's ministry, student ministry, or in your neighborhood. Denying ourselves, dying to ourselves is total opposite of this culture, Right? but it's increasingly attractive in this narcissistic world we live in. What if we were that kind of community? And what if you lived that kind of story? We see Jesus looking for others. He was walking along the Sea of Galilee, which I've been there a few years ago. Sea of Galilee, it is beautiful. You ever ever have a chance to go to the Holy Land to walk in the footsteps of Jesus? It's incredible. It's beautiful. He was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers. The word uh, saw here in the Greek means he wasn't just kind of randomly glancing around, haphazardly, recklessly. He was looking around on purpose. He was looking with a discerning eye. He was being purposeful in how he was walking and where he was looking, and he saw these two brothers fishing, and he saw potential in them. And he walked up to them. And spoke a future, spoke a mission, spoke a, spoke a vision into their lives. He was looking for them. He had eyes to see people around him that, that, were, that were in need of a, a bigger story, a greater story. I mean, how many of us go through our days or our weeks or our months or our years, even decades, with just a consistent 
empty feeling. Just an unsatisfied, unfulfilled feeling like, is this all life is about? There's got to be more than this, right? Than just survival mode. Than just making more money and having a house and clothes. And There's got to be more. The answer is yes, there is more. God invites you into a bigger story. To be mission driven. A couple weeks ago, I was sitting in a, in a lobby waiting for my car to be repaired. And I've got all my notes on my phone. I'm preparing messages about being Jesus-centered and people-focused and mission-driven. And there's this guy sitting over to my left, and he's not looking on his phone, which I thought was really bizarre, right? He was just sitting there smiling. There wasn't even a TV on. He was just sitting there looking around and smiling like, what are you doing? Where's your phone? You know? And I'm there on my phone, like pretending like he's, you know, he's not there because I've got a message to prepare about being people-focused and Jesus-centered and <laughs> mission-driven, right? But God kept like convicting me and tugging on my heart. And he, the guy's just still sitting there with a big grin on his face. And so I eventually, you know, started making conversation with him and found out that he had been through a recent divorce and he had had some health complications and we prayed together and I'm not the hero of this story. Like I said, I I made up all kinds of excuses not to talk to this guy. But by the grace of God, I was able to talk to this guy. And he he just opened up his heart to me right there in the lobby of this car repair shop. And we exchanged numbers, invited him to Spring Branch. Look for others. Look for others. Every moment of every day is a divine appointment. It's not an accident that you live where you live and work where you work. It's not an accident. God has positioned you and handpicked you to live where you work and to, to, to work where you work and live where you live. And God has positioned you to be, to be impactful to those people. Neighbors, friends, family members, coworkers. Did you know that one in five people are not connected to a church? One in five people in Virginia Beach are not connected to a church community. Do you see any empty seats, by the way? Invite somebody to come with you. Say, come with me. Come sit with me. That's why we go to Jay Cox Elementary School and mentor kids. We have 30-some mentors that go there every week and, and adopt these kids and eat lunch with them and it's really an amazing ministry. That's why we go out from here on Sundays. It's 24-7 lifestyle. It's not just coming to a certain time at a certain place with certain people and crossing, that, 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 crossing off that box, right? It's everyday, all-day opportunities to be Jesus, to look for others and to share the good news with them. Did you know that in the 23454 zip code, which is the one we're currently in right now, 20,000 people indicate no faith involvement. 20,000 people. And in the 23451 zip code, my zip code, the North End zip code, 13,700 people indicate no faith involvement. That's close to 35,000 men, women, and children who have no connection to Jesus. People within five minutes of this church People that you cross paths with at work and your neighborhoods and at your kids' schools and at the grocery store, the coffee shop, at restaurants, 
There are people who don't know who God is and who their Savior is. And God has handpicked each of us to to look for them and to to love them and to, to lead them. So first we see Jesus challenging us to look for others and he he wants us to love others, love others. We can be mission driven by loving others. Jesus didn't have to agree with those guys at the Sea of Galilee and their lifestyle and the choices they had made. God doesn't agree with us all the time, (laughs) newsflash, yet we have a, a God who loves us with an agape love, this unconditional, never breaking, always and forever covenant love. It doesn't matter what we've done or it doesn't matter what we haven't done. God loves us and he believes in us that we can follow him and be his children. We don't ask people who call us requesting financial help. We don't ask them why they ended up in that position. I mean, we, last year we gave 120,000 people, we gave $120,000 to people in need in our community. Amazing, from utilities to electricity to hotel rooms. But we didn't ask them on the phone, hey, could, before we give you money, before we love you, we just wanna make sure we agree with everything that, that, that you've done up to this point. That'd be silly, wouldn't it? We just love them because God loved us. We love people. We just love them. You don't have to agree with them. Did you know there were 2,000 people who were homeless in Virginia Beach area? 2,000 people. That's why we partnered with JCOC. It's this ministry to our homeless neighbors. And Todd Walker, like I said, is going to be one of the facilitators of our missions, faith and life class. And we don't exist for ourselves. We exist for others. Look for others. Love others. Thirdly, We want to lead others to be mission-driven individuals, mission-driven church. God calls us to lead others. Jesus said, follow me. Who are you saying follow me to? Who are you saying follow me to? Who are you imparting your wisdom into, multiplying yourself into? Our job is, is, is to lead others, and the best gift we can give somebody is our time. The best gift we can give somebody is our time. I love all of our volunteers here in our children's ministry and student ministry. You know, they, they spend so much time with our kids and youth. And uh, Eric shared something earlier at our ministry update meeting. Between four and 14 years of age, kids make decisions that will last a lifetime. Next week, we'll be talking about being future-minded, and we have an opportunity to dedicate 23 kids up here on stage to the Lord. Please come. That's going to be so cool. We're going to be future-minded. We want to spend time with the next generation because Christianity is one generation away from extinction. And our job as a church is to pass the baton on, to keep it going. What are you doing as as parents? What are you doing as leaders? What are you doing to, to pass the message of Jesus on to the next generation? Lead others, love others, Look for others. Be fishers of men. On Wednesday afternoon, I stood on this stage and had the privilege of facilitating a a funeral service. It was a memorial service, really a celebration of life. A guy named Steve passed away at a young age of 50, and he struggled with cancer for a long time. And this room was packed full of people who loved Steve and who had been loved 
been loved by Steve. I mean, for people to come to your funeral and stand up, I had people stand up and, and they, they, just, they just were saying, yes, Steve impacted my life and I felt loved by him and I'm a better person because of him. Steve was a follower of Christ and he did whatever it took to pass on the message of Jesus to people. What is your legacy? What is the mark that you're leaving behind here on earth? It's not what we leave for people because you can't hook up a hearse. You can't hook up a U-Haul to a hearse, right? Store for treasures in heaven. It's what we leave in people, not for people, that lasts forever. So what are we doing with the short time period we have here on earth? Are we investing in, in things that, that matter, that will last forever? And that is people, that is relationships, and that is the message of Jesus. Jesus, before he departed to ascend up into heaven, he said this to his disciples. I'll close with this. He told his disciples, go. One of the shortest words in all of scripture, but one of the most important words. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always even to the end of the age. I know there are some of us in this room that don't feel qualified. <laughs> you don't feel equipped. You don't have all the answers to all everybody's questions. That's okay. That's okay. The blind man in the gospel said, I don't know what happened. I can't explain it. I don't know how to answer all your questions, but I was blind, but now I see. That's all you got to say. I was living this way, but God changed my life. And because of God, I'm, I'm this way now. Simply put, you don't have to be educated. You don't have to have all the theological answers. Just be faithful and love that person in front of you. Pretty simple. A mission-driven church is a Jesus-centered church. A Jesus-centered individual is a mission-driven individual. Are you on mission? Are you on mission for the gospel? for the good news of Jesus Christ? Is your mission God's mission? What compels you? What motivates you? What inspires you to keep going? Live for others. Don't live for yourself. It's not about you. It's all about God. And when you discover why God created you, it changes everything. You're created by him, for him. Man, what would it be like as dads, as wives, as husbands, as moms, as brothers, as sisters, as coworkers, as friends, what would it be like as a church to deny ourselves, to die to ourselves, and to go out into this world with a bright light shining the love of Jesus? What would it be like? How would this neighborhood be different? How would these zip codes be different? How would this world be different if we were to take this purpose, this mission seriously? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Well, I just want to challenge you to take your next step. Whatever that next step is in your journey with Christ. And I recognize some of you here in this room, you're still checking this thing out and you're still just listening and seeking and observing and that's great. I hope Spring Branch can be a place where you feel like you can belong before you need to, to believe. You feel a sense of belonging before you get to a place of believing. And obviously my hope and prayer is that you get to a place of believing. 
This will encourage you, whatever your next step is in your journey, take it, take it, take that next step. And speaking of that, next week we kick off our next round of next step classes uh, between the services at 10 o'clock. would really encourage you to be a part of that experience. It's a way for you to kind of officially become a member and vote and be a part of all that God's doing here at church and part of the future uh, that God has us on. Um, just to close the service, we have a, a community fund. I mentioned it earlier, and it, uh, we, we collect a, a separate fund on, uh, on one Sunday a month where we, we really want to set it aside for the purpose of reaching out to those in need in our community. And like I said last year, thanks to your generosity, we gave away $120,000 to people uh, who were who in need. So thank you ahead of time for your gift today on the community fund. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for who you are, for your love, your grace. Thank you for the mission that you have given us. Thank you for meeting us in the middle of our small story and inviting us into a bigger one. A story that is all about seeking and saving the lost. A story that's all about following you, Jesus. Set aside our fears. Set aside our doubts. Because God, you accept us just the way we are. It's crazy to think about. Right here in this moment, I just, I wanna give everybody an opportunity to just deny one thing in their life, die to one thing in their life so they can live for others and live for you. A kingdom of God, not a kingdom of self. It's not about us, it's all about you. God, take these gifts and use them for others' good and your glory. Amen. Thank you all for coming today. If you would, just stand up briefly as we send everybody out. Just want you to close your eyes for a second. Just between you and God, just for a moment, make a commitment to him. Maybe you need to confess something to him. 
Say, God, I'm sorry. And then make a commitment. God, I will, I will, I will. And just know that we will stumble, we will fall. But we serve a God of grace and love. No matter how many times we fall down, he picks us up and dusts us off and gives us a second chance. So God, today, may we deny ourselves, take up your cross and follow you. May we live for others and be mission-driven. God, thank you. Amen. Well, it's been a great time together. Next week, you do not want to miss next week. We have child dedications. First time ever, we're doing them up here on stage as a family. We'll also have a next step class starting between the services along with faith and life. God bless. Have a great week.